Well, good morning. How are y'all doing? Nice weather today, huh? I'm excited about it. Um, please grab your Bibles and open them to James chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 13. You can grab a Bible out of the basket. It will have a post-it note that will get you to James chapter 1, and then you just got to flip like two pages and you're at James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 13. Summer is almost over. Are you sad about that? Yeah, yeah. Fall is actually like my favorite time of year. So I love fall. I love football. I love everything about fall. Um, How did summer go? Good? Busy? Fast? Your plans, did they go well? For the most part, I'm seeing lots of night. Good. Yeah, our plans went went well too. We had a good summer. It got kind of crazy the last couple weeks, but it's been good. Um, This summer, we've been studying the book of James, which is all about how to lead ourselves during hard times. That's the theme, how to lead yourself during hard times. And um, so we started, one of the first things we grappled with was, first of all, you know, why God even lets us go through hard times. Why does God allow good things to happen? Bad things to happen to good people, right? That was on June 11th, if you want to listen to that message online, if you missed it. And then after that, we we then learned that God does not abandon us during hard times. He promises to give us wisdom on how to get through the difficult times if we just ask Him. And that's in James chapter 1. James says He gives wisdom to everyone who asks without finding fault. He's just generous with it. But, what is the but? We must believe and not doubt. We're almost through summer, people. You've got to know this by now. Okay? We have to believe and not doubt. Which then begs the question, when God gives us wisdom, like, how do we know it's from God? And, like, how do we know? Like, how do can we tell God is leading us? And it's not just some other crazy voice and opinion in our head. And so we had a whole message about that. And then we have also been talking since then about how we deceive ourselves. How we deceive ourselves. How we say, oh yeah, God, tell me what to do. And yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then we basically just do whatever we want to anyways. And um, James says that we're double-minded. Or some translations will say double-hearted. Where we say, oh Jesus, I love you, I'm following you. But... We do what we want to do. And when God's wisdom comes to us, we kind of rationalize it away. And um, in James chapter 1, verse 22, one of our memory verses was, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do, what does he say? Do what it says. Do what it says. And throughout the rest of his letter, James calls out ways that Christians tend to be double-minded, double-hearted. And it's really convicting. And James is like, it's not a hard read from a literary standpoint, but it's like a hard read, you know. Because it's written to Christians. It's not written to unbelievers. It's written to us about the way we deceive ourselves and, and think we're doing what God wants us to, but we're not. 
And today we're reading from chapter 4, where James talks about the way we lead ourselves by making plans. And we all make plans, right? It's not a bad thing we make plans. And he has some interesting things to say about the plans that we make. So let's read right here. If you have your Bibles, this is the Word of God. It's the Word of truth and the Word of life. So let's read it together. James chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city and, and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes instead you ought to say if it is the lord's will we will live and do this or that as it is you boast in your arrogant schemes all such boasting is evil if anyone then knows the good they ought to do And doesn't do it. It is sin for them. I think it's important to note here that James isn't saying making plans is wrong. That's not what he's saying. He says boasting about our plans is wrong. And he says making our plans without any consideration for what the will of God is, is wrong. James is trying to persuade Christians through this whole letter, this whole book of James. He's trying to persuade Christians to be a community that is built on the word of God. Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's his point. He's echoing the words of Jesus. When we studied Matthew, we read about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine, and follows them is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And when the rains come and the storms come, because they will come, the house on the rock stood firm. But he who listens to this word of mine and does not do it is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the rains come and the floods rise, what happens to that house? It washes away. It washes away. Building your house, your life on the word of God will not prevent the storms. It helps you withstand the storms. And keeps all that you're working for from washing away. That's how we are to navigate life. By following God's leadership. And by building our lives on his word. And just instead of making our own plans to invest in ourselves planning to invest in others. From this passage, look at the verse 13. Why are, why are these people, James is calling out these Christians, why are they making the, these plans to travel? And wh- what is the whole, their whole goal? For gain. Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that sit, city, spend a year there, carry on business, and, and make money. Yes. They want to be rich or richer, you know. Um, that's the priority. Now, now, to be rich is not wrong. The Bible never says it's wrong to have money. But we have to ask, why do we want the money? 
Why do we want it? In 1 Timothy 6, 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's that desire for it. Why do we want money? To feel secure, right? To have options. <laughs> to be able to decide how to spend our time and what to do with our lives. And, and when you have money, you have options and you have this illusion of control over your life. But it's an illusion. It's just an illusion. That's why James says in verse 14, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. You see, they're not even factoring God into their plans. We pursue money because we want to be independent of God. We want to control our lives, make our own plans, and not have to rely on God anymore. And as Christians, we rarely are honest enough with ourselves to actually admit this, right? None of us say consciously, oh, I want to be independent of God. You don't say that when you're a Christian. Well, for one, you don't want to be completely independent of God, right? We all want God's blessing. We want to make our plans and for God to bless our plans. That's what we want. And and James is trying to wake Christians up and say, look, stop glamorizing this wealthy lifestyle. Okay, wealth, the things that it buys, the things that it allows you to do, it's just an illusion of joy. It's an illusion of control. And your joy and your security is never going to come from that. He wants us to first of us know what God's will is and then do it. Because that's where our joy and fulfillment is going to come from instead of our own like half-cocked plants. So, if your approach to life, and I, I think we have all been here, with an approach to life is like, I want to do what I want to do, and as long as I'm not hurting anybody, it's okay. And we just pursue our own plans, and you just check in with God every once in a while to make sure you're still good. Your life is never going to be as good as it could be. It's not. If your approach to life is just to check in with God periodically so that he will bless your plans and you make sure things are all, you know, still good, your life is never going to be as good as it could be. For starters, you can't manipulate God into blessing your plans. You can't. He's God. He doesn't play those kinds of games. We can't manipulate him into blessing our plans. You can't enjoy the best of what God has created without God. I want you just to think about that for a moment. Um, Love, marriage, 
family, food, sex, vacations, traveling, these different places we want to go. Who who created all this stuff? God. God did. Athletic ability, artistic ability, the ability to work and build and create. Who created that? God. You will never be able to enjoy the best of what God has created by keeping God in the margins of it. If you try to enjoy the things of God without God or just by kind of keeping him on the sidelines, you're going to find eventually that those things are empty. It's like eating frosting. You know, like the first swipe you take with your finger is really good. It's so good. But then if you go for a spoon... And you just like eat frosting and eat frosting and eat frosting and eat frosting. Like, oh, it will make you sick. And that's what life is like. When we plan our lives to pursue the good things of God, but keep God on the margin of it. It's like just eating the frosting. And that's why so many people have midlife crises in the United States. Because by the time you reach your 40s and 50s, most Americans have achieved what they spent their 20s and 30s seeking after. They've had the romance, the marriage, the car, the career, the the home. You know, by your 40s and 50s, most Americans have achieved those things. And you wake up one day and you're... 48, and none of it is as satisfying as you thought it would be. And some of it is just downright disappointing. And when people reach that point, there's only like three options, you know? You can keep grinding it out and just get more depressed and more bitter. You can abandon that life and chase after a new one which some people do, whether that be a new marriage or a new career or a new house or new, you know, whatever. Or you can repent. And instead of pursuing your way, you can start following God's way. You can stop feasting on frosting and start going to the source of what is good. God himself. The Bible says, taste and see that God is good. Taste him, know him. And when you find your joy and fulfillment from from being a son or daughter of the living God, then the things he's created have meaning and they have purpose. And so many American Christians, we feast on frosting because we're wealthy enough to. Like compared to the rest of the world, we are wealthy and we have the option to pursue a lifestyle of feasting on frosting. And we make our plans and we chase after success and fun experiences and we increasingly just kind of push God to the sideline because we don't really need him. And spending time with him and learning his ways and spending time with his people, it just drops further and further on our priority list. 
And we keep feasting on frosting, and one day we wake up and find it's not very satisfying. Taste and see that the Lord is God, that he is good. Now, some of you may be thinking, um, I've gone to church for 20 years. And that's why I don't go much anymore. Because I went for a long time. Or I had parents that made me go, and it was not very fulfilling. And so it's just not a, much of a priority anymore. There is a difference between having religion and having a relationship with the living God. There is a difference Having a relationship with the creator of the universe is never boring. (laughs) It's never boring. Religion is very boring. Religion is stale. It's just like this list of things to do. Right? And if we do them, then God blesses us. It doesn't work. It's boring. It's hard work. It's, It's not good. And God, I already mentioned this, he's not going to be manipulated into blessing your plans just because you complete a checklist. He wants a real relationship with you. To be your heavenly father, to talk to you, for you to talk to him, for you to spend time together and enjoy his presence, and for him to enjoy your presence, and for him to teach you things, and lead you places, and show you these grand adventures. And he will help you through the difficult times. But he's not just going to rubber stamp your own plans for your life. That you haven't even asked him about. um, A few months ago, I met with a woman. And um, she was very thin. Was missing some teeth. Had a black eye. You could tell she lived a hard life. And um, I first tried to make sure she was safe and give her some practical help and resources. And then um, I ended the time and I said, you know, how can I pray for you? And she just said, pray God blesses my way. And I just looked at her and thought, but what if your way is harmful? You know, what if your way leads to bad things like black eyes? And, and you think if you come and your body is mangled, you would know that your way is not a good way. But guys, it's never obvious to us. It is never obvious. We're so good at like pointing out when other people are doing stupid things and leading their lives in bad directions. But it's never obvious to us until our plans completely blow up. And then we either blame God for not blessing them or we repent. And we start following his way instead. Last, in this past week, Eric and I met with a couple who shared their story with us. And it was just such an honor to hear their story about the journey God has taken them on. And and at one point in the husband's life, he felt called to ministry. And um, 
he ran from it for a while because ministry's tough, right? Like it's not easy and it was like seemed too hard. And so, and it was so interesting what they said. They said those years of running from God's path for our life were the hardest years. They were the hardest years. And then when we surrendered to God's will for our life, which for them was to go into ministry, it got better. Didn't get easy. It got better though. It had meaning and purpose. You see, sometimes the reason why God doesn't bless our plans is because our way is harmful. But sometimes the reason God doesn't bless our plans is because our way is just self-centered. And we make our plans thinking about ourselves naturally and what we want to do and what sounds fun and exciting and good to us. And God has this other plan to use us to bless other people. And he's not going to bless our self-centered plan because he's got a much better adventure for us. I want to, and that's why James, at the very end of this passage, look, verse 17. He says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That's not just a random sentence he throws at the end of this paragraph about how we make our plans. You see, the root of the problem was that Christians, they were making these plans based on what they wanted to do. They were not considering what God was calling them to do or how God wanted them to benefit others. And they weren't leaving any room for the good God wanted them to do. I just want to read the whole passage once again so you can hear it. Verse 13. Now listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city and spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. You guys, our our plans so often get in the way of the greatest adventure we can have. Which is the adventure of how God created us to bless other people. And there is something about when you surrender yourself to God's plans that he causes you to walk on water, which is not boring. A little bit terrifying, but not boring. You know, and he calls us to do these things that we're like, no way, this is impossible. And then you're in this situation and you're talking to someone and like this wisdom comes out of your mouth and you're like, where did that come from? And it helps them and it blesses them and then or God has you like organize this little charity thing and it helps families or you know like it's just stuff starts happening that you could have never imagined happening and that's when you're most alive that's when you're truly living 
And you're living out the grand adventure that God created you for. And you're eating the meat and potatoes that satisfies. But so often we look at that and it looks scary and crazy and we're like, well, okay, I'm just going to eat the frosting because it tastes sweet. You know? And we eat the frosting because we know what it is. And we see other people eating the frosting. And we fill up all of our time and we make plans just to eat frosting and there's no room left for the best part of life. My friends, God is a five-course meal that nourishes and truly satisfies. And if you only show up for the cake and the frosting, it's going to be disappointing. So come and enjoy the full meal, the meat and the potatoes, and learn to eat your spiritual veggies, you know? They don't taste good at first. You won't like them, but they are good for you, and you won't regret it. (laughs) Hebrews 10 Verses 24 through 25 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's that's the adventures that God calls us to. And not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more... As you see the day approaching, we are to meet regularly together to encourage one another, to help each other figure out the grand adventure God calls us to. Because if we don't, inevitably we'll go back to the frosting and just the frosting. I hope we're heeding James's message, like his message for the through the whole book. He's trying to turn Christians from being individuals who say they're following Jesus, but pretty much just live the life that they choose to live, to being people who are united and seeking and discerning God's wisdom and encouraging each other on that grand adventure to be a blessing. So that we just don't try to survive this world, but we thrive in it. And the world is a better place because we lived. There are many different adventures God calls us to. They're as unique as every person here. But there's one adventure that God calls pretty much all of us to. And that's to share our knowledge of him with others. And I just want to talk about that one for the last couple minutes here. Listening to me for 35 minutes on Sunday is not enough. <laughs> like, like it's just not, it, it's just not enough. People need to be in smaller groups where they can discuss what's going on in their lives and figure out how God's wisdom applies and, and pray for each other and encourage one another. And I'm, I'm really thankful for our children's ministry volunteers who do this for our children. For Rachel, 
who teaches and, and does this for our youth. And, and for Reuben, who's not sitting where he normally sits. <laughs> and for Barb, um, who is teaching back in our children's wing, but also Reuben and Barb both lead groups in their homes for adults. And it's wonderful. It's not enough. It, it, it's, it's not enough. We have more kids coming. Yes. yes. It's great. We need more teachers. We need more helpers to help the teachers, you know? We need more people to befriend and invest in our youth. We need more little groups that people can connect to and share their lives with one another. Um, in the past year, I, I was in one such group. And as I was listening to the comments people were sharing and, and the wisdom they were sharing with one another, I just sat there and I thought, like 70% of these people could be leading their own group. Not alone, but like with a partner. Like 70% of the people in this Bible study could be leading other people. Instead, they're all like holy huddling. And I, I just... Two minutes, I want to talk to the long-term Christians. If you have knowledge of God's word and you are not sharing it, we need you to step up. The church, our church is hurt by having so few people teach the Bible. And when I say the church, I don't mean like our building. I mean the people that come here. Because the knowledge of this transforms people's lives. And I know what you think. You, you think, well, I don't know everything in here. What if somebody asks a question I don't know the answer to? Okay. First of all, there's curriculum <laughs> and resources that help and we give training and all of that kind of stuff. But the day never comes when you know all of this. The day never comes when you know the answer to everybody's question. And you think, well, what if, like, my life isn't perfect. Okay, that day never comes either. You know, I, I've been pastor for about a year here. And three times in the last year, I have got up on the stage and said, this is what God's word says. And I did the opposite thing last week. Right? The perfection never comes. And your perfection isn't relatable. It's not helpful to people. It's your journey that is helpful to people. It's what you've learned along the way. You will never know everything in here. But what you do know will save lives. It will heal marriages. It will transform families, redeem childhoods. And we need more people who will share their knowledge of God's word. And so I just want to encourage you. Please do not make all your plans 
and fill up all your time to chase after that frosting. The frosting is good in small doses, but it's not meant to be what we chase after. Seek God and make your plans to eat the full meal and do the greatest good you can do which is to share him with others. I want to pray and just have a time of reflection. Like I said, James is like this every time, right? Like he he does he doesn't pull his punches. I just want to pray and have a time of reflection so you can hear what God is specifically calling you to. God, I thank you that you not only, you don't just not abandon us to hard times, but you actually have these great plans for us too. Plans not just to survive hard times, but to thrive and and to make life better for other people. And God, I, I just want to confess that the times we get so easily, our head just turns to what we see and to what we see other people doing, and we want to do that, and that's how we make our plans. And God, we just, we pray for spiritual eyes that will see your plans. just want to give a minute for the God to speak to you and just ponder this question. What future plans are you holding too tightly? What future plans are you holding too tightly? And how can you say, if God wills, and be open-handed with those plans? Another question just to let God speak to you about is what is the good plans he's calling you to that you've been too busy to notice or to do? What are the good plans that he's calling you to? God, we thank you for how you speak and how you lead. I pray you will give us ears to listen and hearts to obey. And you'll give us courage to go on the adventures you are planning for us. And that we will see you do immeasurably more than all we could ask for or plan for or even imagine.
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.